Last week we had started section three, which learned a fascinating chapter last week about Kenyonim, the world of Kenyonim, and the way that Hashem associated with Kenyonim. And this week we're going to start breaking it down. Ivan introduced two concepts, two types of associates Hashem. The first one in the realm of honesty, integrity, and estapkus. And the second one in Nemonas, which we'll see exactly what that is. What's his stop? How's it going on? Stop, because like they're minimizing in terms of not having a need for acquisition and certainly luxus transit as luxuries. Oh. The, what? Balaz, right. Okay, so let's see. This is the first aspect dealing with integrity and honesty, which we touched upon last week, and now he gets into it in greater depth. Starts with a very famous chazal, it's Gemara and Shabbos, and Gemara, which really needs a lot of beer, this is a beautiful, beautiful pshat, which really gives a very expanded explanation, not just on this Gemara, but in this concept of integrity and nemonos and honesty in general. So the Gemara says, Kol dayin shedon din emes lamita achas, Fascinating a person who's a dying and he's done din emes lamitoi afilu one moment. Gemara says malal makosav kidanasa shutu lakolish baruchu meisav brachus. And Gemara makes a drasha ksevacha yamin om al meishim and al beikir v'ayera, which is referring to by Yisroi ksevasam v'ayera v'yibeikir. So Gemara makes this comparison, this juxtaposition or or. Similarity in the words, Baker at Erev, and says that they're somewhat connected. Dayan, don't din emeslamite, is connected to Koshbaruch Maisabracious. So Shail is what Shaykhis? It's a wonderful thing. Obviously, a din, which is Lamita, is kind the top of Emes, and is certainly exactly what the Dayan should be doing. He's saying the bets at all the important milas that a Dayan has to have. So he accomplished all that, he did all that, did it properly. He came out with a good psak din. We didn't shut the fuck. Where's that? Where's that coming in? What does that have to do with shut with What's my sabracious? Where is that? Where is that coming in? Where's simple push up shot in this Gemara? This is a very, very fascinating concept. He says that when a Kashbaruch created the world, there was two things that took place during that creation. Two things that happened during my sabracious. The first thing was what we were familiar with, Bria, Yitzer, Yitzer Meiris, and his Beirus All that goes into the essence of creation. Number one, he says there's a number. There's a second thing which is, in some ways, much more darkest look, and has tremendous ramifications. So the Kodesh Baruch also was a Mavdil. When the Gemara says, right, he quotes this. I didn't quote this, but uh, the Chazal, the famous Chazal, which Baruch Hu said, Le'olam Yedai, right? Shakai, he said, Le'olam Yedai. That means that this is as far as the world should go, and then it has to stop. That means there's a Havdalah. There's a Havdalah in boundaries, in where, how, what, when, everything exactly has, has a Gavul. And Kosh Baruch Hu did that in Shemayim Varetz. Shemayim Varetz, there was a boundary, there's Shemayim Varetz, and there was the Yam, and the, every aspect of the Bria really was a creating of a boundary of, of the Bria. 
And that's a second aspect where nothing's being created physically, but it's all the physical creations have a gvul. And the truth is, every aspect of the Bria has that, right? Like Baruch Hu, the Gemara says, if not for the Choy Fayam, if not for the sand on the sea, what would happen? The ocean will come and flood the world. So Baruch created a Choy, created a beach, which is, stops the, the oceans from flooding the world. That was also, that was a Havdalah. Here's where the ocean goes, here's where the, the Oritz is, and this, this is a way to stop one from flooding the other. And that's the concept of Havdalah and, and boundaries, and, which is a very, very essential part of the Bria. So he says, every, each and every person, nation, an object has a time and place. And the essence of the existence of these demarcations is the most central feature of all the Shemper in this world. Why? He says a very, very hush of an important concept. He says, personal respect for a demarcation of ownership is the strongest expression of faith in the fundamental concept of Vakash Baruch Hazbriya. When a person makes a decision he won't touch X, Y, or Z because it's not his, he's contributed to the creation of a positive entity. Vakash Baruch Hu's line of division between mine and the others. So I just want to go back first a step before just to give a little background. In the world, right, the world is very, very understanding of the concept of don't steal. It's built into the fabric of society. We don't take from someone else, we don't steal from someone else, if he has to go, why can't you steal from someone else? What, what are they, what's, what's the response? I think the simple response would be, if everyone steals from each other, there's a breakdown in society. You can't have a functioning society if everyone steals from each other. That, that's the pashtas. I don't think anybody will tell you something differently. <clears throat> that you have to have rules, because if you don't have rules, society can't function. So if everyone can just walk in and take what they want from someone else's house, there goes the concept of a society and the existence of society. In, in Hashkafa, that is, of course, there's, there's, that's MS. There's no question that's MS. The world needs rules to be able to exist. That's nothing to do with the reason why we don't steal. We don't steal not because HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world that wouldn't exist if there'd be stealing, because right, it's true. It's not why we don't steal. And the truth is, I want to say something which I think is very, Chosh uh, say it in general, is that I once saw this from Tversky. That's how Snifter, the long ago. He has a piece in the first Mishnah Bergyavis. Mishnah starts off, famous Mishnah, Mishnah, Kibbut, Tari, Misinah, Misara, Lishua, Mishua, Zakeinah, Mishkeinah. So I think he was saying it from himself, and then he quoted it from someone else. He said, why is it that it waited till Avis, which is in the middle of Nazikin, to tell us that where Tari came from? It's a little bit too late, or not too late, but that should really belong before Brachas, right? A, and B, is that why by Avis, like what Shaykhis, that punk, that's the place where Rabbi Yudanasi decided to bring out that there's a Maseira, Meshameinu, to Yeshua, Zakein, and Wespshat. It's an unbelievable thing. It said that Avis in particular is much of morals and ethics and what's correct and what's incorrect, etc. It says that in the Velt, they think they have a concept of moral and ethics. Correct, of incorrect, what's supposed to be done, what's not supposed to be done. It's ethically right, it's ethically wrong. So if you ask, take any moral dilemma, any ethical moral dilemma, and you ask a guy which, which one's correct, is euthanasia 
a moral thing or immoral thing? Right, so it's mikatsa lakatsa. Someone say you're doing the person the biggest chesed in the world. This person is 95 years old and he doesn't seem to have much quality of life. So of course, doing the biggest chesed in the world, you pull the blood in it. And the other side of the coin would say, what are you talking about? This person is living, he's living, breathing organism, you know, it's Paul's plug, right? Two sides of the debate. Who's right? Who's right? This person saying it's moral, ethically correct to do X, and the person saying the exact opposite. And this is true in every moral and ethical dilemma that exists in the world. Who says who's right? Who said that the guy who says this is acceptable to quote unquote murder this person is wrong? Maybe he's right. Who defines right or wrong? Who defines what's ethical and moral? So Tversky said, without a Baruch, without a Torah, it's an impossibility. There's, there is no moral. There's no, there's no objective moral and ethic. What I feel is moral and ethical, if I feel that in my society, cannibalism is, 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 is a good thing for society because we have to, you know, clear out the people who don't seem to make the cut and we have to... Whatever, whatever reason we feel cannibalism is a good thing, so that, that's what's in my society, moral and ethical. And that's okay. In every aspect, there's, there's, there's a way to look at it on both sides of the coin and say, this is what's correct, this is what's not correct. This is with the Kodesh Baruch there's this impossibility of having a, a, a true value, an objective MS. So that's why Vidanasi waited till Perkyavis, which is you, you say the moral and ethics to bring out this point that there's a necessity. Because without that, it's an impossibility to know what's. And to point out, that's where this all comes from. It's not about any person, any, even the greatest of Tanoim is persons, their personal feeling about what's correct and what's incorrect. That's not going to Lavdafka hold weight. Koshporach, the Chroydivaratma has to really. Give us the insight from Torah itself, which is the way it's worked down, to know what's correct, what's incorrect, and that's going back to this to this point as well. Is that taking or not taking from someone else? I can make a very strong argument to say steal from someone else. The guy always called Robin Hood, right? I think that's that's Chris uh, so right? What do you say? Steal from the rich and give to the poor, right? Kamenulani, that's what he used to say. And he still says it. So this that that concept exists, right? That I could say that stealing is is a wonderful thing. It's an important thing. Listen, this guy doesn't need it so much. It's okay. I can't take from him. I'm taking just a little bit. Give it to someone else who needs it much more. I can make a very strong argument that's 100 percent moral, ethical, and the right thing to do. Says Akadosh Baruch Hu, there's gvulim in the world. There's gvulim. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. And that's the way Akash Baruch has set the world. The world needs to have gulim. A world without boundary, then everything is, is mished. Right? Man is not an animal. That's a gvul. And this person is not that person. There's a gvul between people. There's a gvul between types of people. Levels, everything has a gvul and needs to have a gvul. The same way that, that Chazal say that without the choyfayam, the world would flood the, the world will be flooded by the yam is because without gvul there's, there's, there's that, that's the, the destruction right everything has to have a gvul has to have a place when, when Chazal say that in the Chodim in the 
means everything has its place, has this where it belongs, and that really goes back to what we spoke about in the earlier chapters of Tafkin and, and, and every person has, that's all, that's each person's mikzai, each person's gvul, each person's aspect. When we don't steal, it's because of that. So Akash Baruch was saying, because that person's things belong to him. They don't belong to you. No shaykhs to you. Aye, it sounds like a very wonderful thing to steal from and give to someone else who needs it more. Sounds very nice. That's not what the concept of gvulim is, is all about. So the concept of being a shutuf and Akash Baruch Hu, is because of being a shutuf to that concept of a full understanding of what it means, ownership, what it means mine, what it means yours, what it means each person has to own it. And therefore, that's why Chazal used Badafka this attribute of being a a of HaKash Baruch which is incredible, incredibly said. And he says, takes one step further, he says, it's an important perspective because we tend to favor taking action for positive gains over refraining from prohibited actions. It means a person has a natural tendency to do good. Robin Hood did good. He did wonderful things. He thought he was doing good. He thought he was doing incredible things. He says, therefore, a person will often justify, or could justify, taking this money is a little problematic, but look at the wonderful stuff I can give. Look at the wonderful things I can do. That was Robin Hood's, right? Wonderful approach, because Lamaise is a certain geschmack in, 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 in the kumvasei. In the doing and the accomplishing, not doing something which is so wrong doesn't doesn't there's no, there's no in that, no in that. We don't feel gishmak like you know, today. I was okay. I mean, if person can feel good, they overcame an asayin. That's also so. Not not doing something doesn't necessarily have. So he says that when a person realizes staying away from from dishonesty is a positive accomplishment, I right now enhanced, connected to instead of creating vulim in this world. It's mine, what's yours, and when someone else's all doesn't doesn't go together. When we see respecting boundaries as a creative act, it gives a much greater ability to hold back from that. And a person says, but not taking this money, I brought a lakus into this world. I've partnered with Akadosh Baruch and brought his presence into this world. And that goes back to what we spoke about last week, at the idea that okay, I said last week that a dishonest aspect is is a steal with everything we are. A person can't call himself a firm person if there's a lack of honesty in how they're doing so. And the way Ravira's taking one step further is that it's much more than just being dishonest. It's tearing down the very essence of my sabratious, the essence of what my sabratious is all about, it, which is the most fundamental, goes beyond just classic Amuna. Amuna, Kosh Baruch wanted, right? We think of it that it's not what Kosh Baruch wanted to have, this belongs to me. It's much more than that. My Sabratius itself, the, the foundation of My Sabratius was about Gvulim, demarcations, everything being set up for a certain connection and, and not more than that. And therefore, the importance and the, and the necessity of when we get into the world of Kenyan, the world of acquisition, which comes along with incredible necessariness, as soon as a person enters the world of I want, I have, I'm buying, I'm taking, I'm as soon as a person enters that world, which is all the world of, of Gashmi, all the world of, of business, this is the this is one of the greatest and most challenging nusiyanis that, that that kicks in, is that okay? So the the, the breakdown of this gvul is is something which is unfortunately a very very slippery slippery slope. It says honesty gives us the title of 
the greatest title that Moshe Rabbeinu received, or one of the greatest titles he received, was, was he was Kobesi Nemanu. And what does it mean, Neman? It's a beautiful title. I think I, think I heard from my father. What, now, what does Neman mean? Neman means trustworthy. So, he was a beautiful marshal. said that we've all been to a funhouse. And they have these mirrors, which are quite distorted, like, like very fat mirrors, very right? tall mirrors, like all these funny type of mirrors, right? I'm talking about. I'm not the only one to cross things when I was a kid. Where did it? It's funny looking, uh, funny looking mirror. So that's the antithesis of Neman, right? You're looking at the something, and it shows you something which is totally distorted. Glass, clear, pure, plain glass is Neman. It's perfectly Neman, right? Even more than a mirror. The mirror is such, it's a reflection. Right? The greatest Neman is when I look through a glass and I see exactly what, right? if it's a clear, pristine glass. Exactly what is there is what I'm seeing on the other side. So, Kashbaruch called Moshe that Moshe was was Naaman. What does it mean, Naaman? That when you Moshe had, there was no zech, there was nothing to himself. He looked he looked at Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe saw a pristine picture of a Kashbaruch. Moshe, the person was he was the most accurate possible reflection of a Kashbaruch. Kobesi Naaman, Moshe was the, was the perfect Naaman. Means unfortunately, every all of us. I'm not Neman. It means we look at us, we see, we see distortions. We, it's the funhouse, right? We're, we're, we're trying to represent Akash Baruch in this world, but sometimes things get a little distorted and it doesn't exactly look the way Akash Baruch wants it to look. That's, that's a lack of Nemanus. So this concept of Neman goes so much, so much in sync with being a trustworthy person. Because if this is a Yusuit of my Sabratius, because a person is Neman, is trustworthy, they're also the accurate, accurate reflection of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, the accurate of what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants a person to look like. And, and that, that Maila of, of being a Neman is the, the greatest title because then we, as a person, are reflection, reflecting a Kodesh Baruch Hu in all our actions. Halavai, we should reach out that. And that's, why, that's, that's where this idea of Neman is coming from. And it brings this, you know, a few examples of how much we see Chazal and Halacha took this to an extreme, right? The, the, the famous right, the example of this is that when a person is a pile, he's working for someone else, he minimizes saying, Kri Ishma, Kri Ishma, Kabbalah, Mitzvahs. He minimizes that. Okay, it's not so again. Nowadays, it's the way we structure our day, but this was something which was relevant in times of Chazal. But you see, the way, again, the way Chazal treated the importance of Nehmanus and, and how, how far it's taken. Berchasamazin, he cut down Berchasamazin, only says certain, certain parts of it. Some will think, it's even more astounding, at the, at the Sporan Shachanarach, that a person who's a pile, and a Tamachacham walks into the room, he doesn't stand up for him. He doesn't stand up for him. Why? Because it'll take away from his focus on what he's doing. I'm talking about a few seconds, he stands up, sits down, like what's, how much is it going to, say, Naman. It's Naman, he's mamish doing, he's, he's the, the perfect level of, that's like Rosh Baruch who wanted, and that's how far I should take it. And there means the famous Rambam. <coughs> read it quickly. It's we'll ask This is Rambam says that a poil doesn't have a shus. Again, there's different how it plays out in the Maisa. There's not so posh nowadays. But the side, the Rambam writes a person can't, who's, who's a hired worker, can't take another job at night. Because it'll take away from his ability to work properly by day. Lodesh Bifrasi Arvis to go and and work in one thing at, at night and then the Skirba Shachris. 
he can't even hold himself back from eating. This is, this is an interesting halachic shayla. If someone's working, especially for a guy or an arm from Yid, allowed to fast on a fast day? That's a pasha. That's a pasha. Why allowed to fast? He expected to come and, 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 uh, and be a, a neman and to work full capacity. The person's fasting here in full capacity. is not shayla. I can't enter the shayla right now. It's uh, discussed at a different time. It's, it's, uh, it's a real shayla. Ramam says the person can't hold himself back from eating. Tashash kaychay. Tichlash daytay. Last one after bekayach. Fascinating. And then he says, Kederach shamuza ba'albayish la'yigzal schar ani v'lo'yikvenu. Ken ani muzash la'yigvay b'lach t'v'albayish v'yivatal mat v'kan v'at v'kan. It's the same way that a person can't steal from a poor person. The ani also, or any person, can't steal from a ba'albayish. A little here, a little there. He ends up being a little bit deceitful. This is Ramans brings this raya. That a poet doesn't say the fourth baruch. He doesn't say it. That extra 30 seconds, whatever will take him to say it. Chazal say, don't do it. Right? He said to Lavan. With my full koiches, I was I, I was didn't hold back on anything, and as Pesukim say, by night, by day, by snow, by all that was that was Yaakov. The fikach not as chayav zayis after elam hazeh. Shnei maviyifrit says that's why Yaakov was zayichet to kren the schar in this world, even this world. He says because of his idea of neman, and and I'm saying it, neman is not something which is just a incidental. Maila, something which is a crucial, defines the person, and particularly vis-a-vis his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and how much he's a reflection of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and what he's doing. The last thing I end up with in this chapter is a, is a frightening, frightening statement made by Michal Bar Weissmandel, who is you know, a survivor, so only a survivor could say this, because you know, it's almost like uh, anyone who's not a survivor to say such a thing would be very difficult. So he says... He looked back after so he lost, I think, a wife and, and a number of children. I don't know exactly how. Four, I think four children. Exactly. But he was, and he was a, essentially a broken person afterwards. And he lived on, I think, he built the Shiva Nitra, and um, he tried very much to build. But he was essentially, he was, he was very, very broken by, and very much affected his, who he was as, as, as a person for the rest of his life. He, he was nifty young. What? Oh, really? It's Floods. Really? This is a powerful, powerful thing. He says, says, even though the beginning of everything that took place in World War II started off in, in Germany, expanded to the other countries. The people in, in Germany he says there was proportionally. He says Germany was not destroyed and, de- de- and decimated the same way other Poland, Hungary, right, certainly were. Shamadines. He said very interesting that many of them were there to save their money. So I'm not so familiar with all the details that I think, and I'm saying correctly. I think in, in many, many of the German Jews got out. They, they didn't escape. The, well, the ones who were there, mostly, many, many of them, if not most of them, were killed. But many of them, I think there was a large percentage of German Jews who ended up 
right? When Nazi Germany started turning, they they left and they got out, which that did not happen in Poland. It certainly didn't happen in Hungary, right? Which only was first taken over in 1944, and then and it was like it was years, and they managed whole uh, Hungary Hungary jewelry was managed completely destroyed. And, and, and the Ger- German Jews were, were very much not that way, not even necessarily, not necessarily even from, but from, not from all of them. He says an incredible thing. Vamer, this is what he said, his own observation, his own hashara. Shasibohi, Shachinim the ones who were in Germany, had a greater level of diktuk, of being careful with their interaction with the Goyim. They didn't, uh, no, no trickery, no involved. It's an incredible thing. The difference their money, their possessions were more theirs, didn't belong, didn't come from the Goyim. It was a lot of their trickery was unfortunate, it was necessary. Survival, whatever it was, but he says the mindset that's what happened. They weren't, weren't at the same level of yashus. Therefore, it's incredible, say such a thing. That their rechush went to the goyim. To return it back to where their religion belonged to. Incredible, incredible thing. Like we start touching up. Things of what happened and how they happened and what they happened is is, is a very, you know, <sighs> scary thing to say and, and whatever. But it's, we probably couldn't say such a thing. But he says this is, this is what he, this is as Hashara, and you know, the famous Maisa of Yaakov. Everyone's heard of this Maisa, where Yaakov was in his in his town. I forgot which town he came from, but there was town in Europe. There was a postmaster, and it sounds like he was asked a few times by people who. You give an extra change by this postmaster, by this uh, person working in the post office. Yaakov always says, Could I return it to Kedesh Hashem? And it's Mutter Torah. Yaakov, he said, Return it. And Yaakov said he found that after the war, that this this postmaster had saved a number of Yidin in the war. And he said that the Seba was, he said, those times that the people got extra money, he actually was testing them. He actually tested them, he did it on purpose. An extra thing, instead of the integrity of the Yidin that they returned it every time, something was spoke tremendously to him, and he saved many Yidin as a result, or many or a number of Yidin as a result of that. So that's just the you know the flip side. I guess of my Mandel is saying that the flip side of that, but Lamaisa, this this concept is is a scary you know is a, is a scary thought, a scary scary concept, but Lamaisa, the way. The Aaron's way of bringing it down is not so much for the scariness aspect of it. It's really, there's, Weissman was saying an incredible thing, that there's a, there's a boundary. There's a gavul. What's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. A person could try to mish around that gavul, eventually you'll be mished back. That's really what, what the point, it, it, the point itself of the, of the German Jews is itself fascinating. But the seba behind it is even more incredible. Kashbaruch has a need to bring things back to where they are. So a person could think oh, from today to tomorrow that they're gaining in, in, uh, on, on someone else's expense and they got and they earned and they were successful. Everything will go back to the way it's supposed to be eventually. 
there's a gvul. And that gvul is going to be consistent. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will manage that gvul. Nothing's going to change from that gvul. And that's part of Nehman. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu being in Nehman is also that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in Nehman. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to bring things back to where they belong to and, and, and keep things as they should be. And us being in Nehman is a reflection of that. That mid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu where things have to be with a gvul, with a boundary, etc. So this is the, the first and, and most, you know, most basic. We'll see, you know, the next chapter, we'll show next time how that applies on even a deeper level. The first most basic thing about, about this understanding and appreciation of gvulim, of nemanus, of the importance of how, of how as much as a person wants to and should have a desire to be successful, as we spoke about, there's an importance of yeshiva oilam and style of a person's own personal success, all that. But the importance and the necessity and the, the crucial aspect of Yashwas, because it's so fundamental into the Bri itself, into Maisa Bracious, can never be underestimated. And the importance of it and the, the Zahirus in that. And the Shilas are abound. Shilas, there's no limitation of Shilas and small details. I mentioned one Shilas about fasting, which is but there's Shilas of Maisa Mechal Yayim and in, in how we use personal time and what we do when there's no, there's no limit. There's no limit of, of, of Shilas. And again, there's, there's, each, each thing has its gulim, but in terms of, of, of a full appreciation of doing things in a way of being naman and the chashivas importance of that, something which certainly has to be a basic foundation to how we approach Bola Avedah. Oh, yeah. That was in Queen's College uh, from a professor. And I, I asked him once, I said, is, how is it possible to be a, 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 a Yashar accountant? So he said, come to my house once at night.